My name is Freddie Cruz, and I've made it my job to share with you the stories that make the greater Houston area great. One of those stories is that of General Doug Owens. After more than 33 years in the United States Air Force, General Owens continued and continues to serve by working in the nonprofit sector. In 2016, he became the CEO of the Lone Star Flight Museum. During this episode, we discuss his transition to life after the Air Force, his advice for people about to embark on a major career change, and what first-time visitors can expect when they visit the Lone Star Flight Museum. If you find yourself enjoying this episode, please help me grow the show by sharing with your family and friends and by signing up for my newsletter at cruisethroughhtx.com. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran. This is Bruno Mars. Hey, it's Katy Perry. This is your man Flo Rida with Freddie Cruz. This is AJ Mitchell with Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Tell you she go pick Mr. 305 and you already know what it is. My name is Freddie and it's time to cruise through HTX. The thousands and thousands of flight hours racked up with the U.S. Air Force, and I'd love to know what's what's one or even two things that uh, remained the same between hour number one and then that final hour. That's an interesting question. Um, you know, that first flight in an airplane is just breathtaking. Once you get uh, get the wheels are off the ground and you're you're at the controls or you're in the cockpit as opposed to being a passenger, and you get the full visual of what's going on in, in, in front of you, um, that, first, that first flight is always very, very special. Um, and the last one, for me, if I look back at my operational flying, my last flight in the A-10, which has now been a number of years ago, um, I remember how much work it was. Mm. I was in Korea, and we were um, on a, actually on a training mission. I was a, a colonel at the time, and uh, I just remember uh, we had briefed up. Um, uh, the mission that we had briefed was to employ the weapons, so we were going to shoot the, the 30 millimeter and, and drop, the, drop bombs, but it was mostly about shooting the gun. Mm. And the weather was bad, and I remember how much work it was uh, to, to be able to do that. And flying in a tactical environment is always a great deal of work. You are always on point, especially in a single-seat uh, fighter, because you are, um, you're, you're doing everything from flying to navigating to, uh, uh, to employing the weapons, all of that. And uh, it is, uh, flying that kind of uh, mission is, is always, uh, always stressful. Um, but, uh, you know, after, after those, after flying the A-10 and, and flying other aircraft as a senior officer, um, I was able to, to fly a number of other, other airplanes and other, other fighters. B, got to fly the B-2 at one point, F-15, F-16, F-15E. Uh, those are all terrific airplanes. And, uh, but I had somebody with me. I was flying with an instructor with me. And uh, it, it's a little bit different of a mindset, uh, but no less uh, um, important to pay attention to what it is that you're doing. So it's... Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I don't come from the military world. Um, I did not serve, so forgive some of the questions that might seem very elementary. So B-2, that's the B-2... Stealth bomber. Stealth bomber. Wow. Yeah. So that's like one of those things where if you sneeze and you accidentally bump something, things turn 
really no. bad, or oh. is it like the system no, is not, more in place than it's that? Not, it's not like not it's like not, it's thank not quite you. Like that. Okay, the, the aircraft that are that are, are flown today, they are they're sophisticated aircraft. They they are, and there's a, a lot of technology that goes into them. There's like a lot fail of fail safes. There's a lot of fail safes that go into them, and uh, and. Uh, while human mistakes certainly are are things that uh, that can be ever ever present, uh, the training and diligence that goes into flying these things and, and being ready to fly them, there, that's that's the difference between doing doing well and not doing well. Yeah. Um, so it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a lot of fun. Flying is terrific. At what point in your childhood did you realize that you wanted to be a pilot and do this? Uh, from the time that I was knee-high to a grasshopper, I wanted to fly. By the time I was 10, I knew I wanted to go to the Air Force Academy yeah. and everything I did from then on. I, that, was, that was always something I wanted to do, and which is odd because my dad was uh, in the Army. Mm. He, was, uh, uh, he did his business on the ground, and the, the sky always... Um, always uh, drew me, and um, that's where I set my sights through uh, junior and senior high school to be able to do that through the Air Force Academy, which I was able to do. I've had a very blessed career in, in all of this and was able to serve all over the world and, um, and, and get to do some really neat things um, and meet really terrific people that all have common interests with us. If we could explore your transition from 33 years of military service to getting into uh, private work and nonprofits and and how how you managed to do that and remain successful after going from one thing that was completely different from what you were doing to to doing this well if you had told me uh, 10 years ago this is I, I was getting ready to retire from the Air Force because I did that in the, the end of September of 13. If you'd told me 10 years ago or suggested that I would be the CEO of a, of a flight museum at this point in my life, and not only that, but having been at it now almost seven years, I would have smiled and suggested that you were, were crazy, because <laughs> that was probably not on my list of, of things that I thought would be in store for me. Uh, but as with most things, good Lord's taken care of me, and when the, as I tell young people today, when doors of opportunity uh, open, don't be afraid to go through them. More than that, don't, you should be careful what doors of opportunity you close because sometimes they never open Right again. And uh, so with us, in April of uh, 2016, when I received uh, an inquisitive call about opportunity to come here, I looked at my wife and um, we talked about it and said, sure, we can, we can look at it. And next thing you know, seven and a half years, seven years plus have passed, and, uh, and here we are. And I can't think of a better way to follow on the service uh, to our nation uh, in uniform with the things that we're doing now where we're inspiring young people to follow suit. There's not enough of that today. And uh, the, the focus on the, on the nation, the focus on services, just, just doesn't seem to be there the way it should. So we take that on here. And uh, we do it through the lens of aviation, and we're very proud to do that. Yeah, and I definitely want to get to all of the incredible things you are doing to teach our youth about aviation, STEM, and service um, with the Lone Star Flight Museum. But I do want to back up one second and 
ask you one more question about career transitions and switches and sure. and what your advice would be to somebody who maybe they didn't work 33 years with one particular company or in one particular career, but maybe 10 or 20 years, and what your advice would be for somebody who um, in this current economic environment uh, finds themselves unemployed or like forced to resign and now they're now what so what would be your your advice to them well this may sound trite the first thing i would say is keep your chin up don't uh, don't look down and think that uh, the world has ended in, in all of this because because uh, it hasn't there's always opportunity out there if if you go look for it sometimes that opportunity will be presented to you in which case as i said be willing to to take chances and be willing to to walk through those open doors. The other thing is you need to go looking for them. Yeah. You need to go look for those doors of opportunity to open for you and don't be afraid to do that. Uh, one thing that I share with, kid, with uh, young people and with kids, with my own, my own sons, you know, you, your life is your life. It's not someone else's to, to run or someone else's to set for you and, and, to, and to guide for you. You be responsible, you be accountable to yourself and you go out and, and you make things happen for yourself. And when things get difficult, and I can speak this from experience through the, the trials of um, Hurricane Harvey and through the pandemic with us here at this museum, we had some very, very difficult times. We all took cuts in pay. I laid off people. We made very, very difficult choices. And through all of that, we came out of the pandemic stronger than when we went into it. But it was because we took, this, took all of the challenges head on. And that's true in anything that you do. Anything that you do, um, I am all for uh, for supporting people and young people, especially that that look to to do for themselves and not to be have something handed to them. I don't like that. I don't care to be around people like that. And uh, I I hope that what we do here inspires uh, young people to um, to look up, not down, and and to reach high and and not reach for a handout. Absolutely. And you can get, you get that vibe when you walk through these doors of just what it means to, to surround yourself with greatness. And I think a lot of that has to do with your surroundings and what kind of energy you put into, into your life and what you attract. Sure. I think you're attracting more than, I think we, collectively speaking, um, attract so much more than we think we do. Sure. And when you walk into a building like this, you are quite literally surrounded by greatness. At the time of this recording, um, I I am thankful to have been invited to the Texas Aviation Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Uh, you've got a Hall of Fame right here in the building. Um, and so uh, when, when you've got new Houstonians who may not know exactly what the Lone Star Flight Museum is, is about and how they can surround themselves with this kind of greatness. Uh, what else can they look forward to? You know, I didn't. I don't know until you just talked about it like that that I've ever looked at it quite like that. But that's absolutely true. When you walk through these doors and you walk into our hangars, you are looking at achievement. You're looking at success. Um, what you don't see is all the trial and error that uh, that went into. Uh, the airplanes that we sit, uh, that, that, that we have in our hangars today. Elon Musk launched his heavy lift rocket out of South Texas, and what many in the media zoomed in on was the fact that it, that it blew up, that it came apart and, and crashed. 
One of the things that he does in his uh, innovative way of doing business is he expects trial and error. He expects things not to work. And when they don't work, you learn for it, you go back, you fix it, you try it again. And things aren't going to work all the time. If they did, if that was the life that you, that you were, were used to, God bless you, but that's not real. And be boring, too. It's not real. Yeah. And being able to assess risk and be able to um, not ex- only assess it, but to accept risk and then accept the consequences of your actions and all of that is something that you have to do. That's the only way that, right. that, you'll, that you'll truly be satisfyingly successful. You can be successful if somebody hands you a bunch of money, but that doesn't mean it's satisfying to you. It also doesn't mean you keep it. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you'll wind up um, flittering it away somehow <laughs> or another. Exactly. In life, I mean, let, let's face it, you know, I always talk about video games because I was a 90s kid growing up with Nintendo, but I mean, it would be so boring to just play nothing but level one of Super Mario Brothers over and over yeah. and over and over again. Where's the challenge in that? You know, there is no challenge. And without challenge, there's no growth. And, I mean, how do we want to look back on our lives when we are the 70-year-old or 80-year-old versions of ourselves? I mean, yeah. it's something. We had two World War II veterans in our midst today. And uh, recognizing both of them, one was 98, the other was 100 years old. And uh, being able to look at them and look at their successes, one of them was the former chairman of Shell Oil, and be able to, to have them in our midst and uh, recognize them for being the giant shoulders we all stand on it was really something special to us. General Owens, thank you so much for coming by the podcast. The website, you want to find out more about the Lone Star Flight Museum, it is lonestarflight.org. Thank you so much, sir. You bet, Fred. Thanks. Always good to see you. <laughs>